Edmonton Without Limits. This week, we talk once again with Catherine Warren, CEO of Edmonton Unlimited. We'll learn all about what has happened since she took the role in December of 2020, and we'll learn about the new space opening today. Hi, I'm Troy. And I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 220. We'll be talking, as we said, with Catherine Warren of Edmonton Unlimited. The last time we talked to her was December of 2020, or episode 109. And Mac, it's been 111 episodes since our 109th episode. That's a lot of episodes. That's the math. But yeah, a lot of episodes. And it feels like, you know, with pandemic years that it took a lot. You know, a lot has happened in that time. December 2020 feels so far ago, so long ago. You've had a child and your child has grown materially in the time <laughs> we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, then I have another one now, too. It goes by quickly at, at the same time as it feels like it takes forever. And just like you're supposed to read frequently to your children uh, to help them develop and learn, uh, so too should you expose them to the rapid fire segment. Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> An audit has revealed that the city of Edmonton spends hundreds of millions of dollars on grants and subsidies without tracking the results. This news was of extreme concern to Edmonton City Council, which committed to launching a pilot to evaluate the results of pilot projects in determining if they should be repiloted next year or shelved. The funding source identified for this work was an ad hoc one-time grant. A code Charlie was issued downtown as someone was biting fingers at a downtown Edmonton Oilers watch party. According to multiple people sent to hospital for bite wounds, that really hurt. During the pandemic, the BC CDC recommended glory holes as a way to stay safe. Now, post-pandemic, Edmonton is updating the advice and encouraging residents to meet me downtown. Speaking Municipally is a publication of Taproot Edmonton. Every week, we bring you the latest on municipal affairs in our city, including, of course, whatever city council's up to. If you like our show, please give us a rating in your podcast app of choice and spread the word. Joining us this week, we have Catherine Warren, the CEO of Edmonton Unlimited, to bring us up to speed on the new innovation space that Edmonton Unlimited is opening and update us on everything related to innovation in Edmonton. It's been, if you can believe this, more than 100 episodes since we last had Catherine on the show. Catherine, welcome back to Speaking Municipally. And it is so great to be back. Well, we're excited to learn a little bit more about the the space that you have opening. If uh, people are listening to this on Friday, May 12th, there's an open house. People can come and, and check it out. And we'll get into that. But first of all, maybe just broadly, it's been a you know pandemic time warp since we last spoke. What are the broad strokes since December 2020? How has Edmonton's innovation scene, you know, changed, grown, improved, hopefully? You know, so, so much growth, so much has changed. Edmonton is really on a roll. Um, the city has grown on the foundation of local risk takers and innovators. In 2021, for example, our city was named the fastest growing tech sector in North America with over 50% growth in our talent pool. Our ecosystem value has increased by 236% since 2020. Um, we are number four now in North America for affordable talent, and we're in the top 25 emerging ecosystems when it comes to funding. So I would say that Edmonton is truly on a roll, and um, we are 
we're kind of the beneficiaries as well as the support system for what's going to come next. Of course, you know, there have also been global challenges in tech during this time, and Edmonton is no exception. We've seen some exciting things like the rise of generative AI. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that later. And as a global AI capital, of course, now is our time to advance this leadership and to make a difference in things like responsible and ethical standards and IP. Um, there's also been worldwide tech layoffs and downsizing. So here in Edmonton, while DeepMind moved out, we are fortunate that the top talent stayed. And and we've had some you know big successes too in Edmonton in that time where we've seen this you know almost contraction in some other places. For example, I'm thinking of Jobber here in Edmonton raising 100 million dollars earlier this year is a pretty good sign for the growth right of our of our community. Yeah. So 100 million US and Series D funding. Um, again, you know uh, we are a center of gravity for talent and increasingly homegrown IP. So that's really exciting. Uh, Future Fields also did a recent raise. They landed um, over 11 million US uh, dollars uh, to turn flies into modular clean tech bioreactors. So um, some really innovative and deep tech happening here as well. Before we get into all of that, you had mentioned, you know, this was a globally tumultuous time and there has been a lot of upending things. I think there's no better example of that than uh, Mr. COVID, the pandemic that's been ravaging the world. When we talked to you last, you had just been named CEO of Edmonton Unlimited. That was December of 2020. The news was talking about these new things called vaccines that would make everything fine next month. And then, you know, three years later, uh, the world has not quite rebounded 100% yet. How has this affected your trajectory for Edmonton Unlimited? I'm sure you came in with a plan. How has the plans shifted? How have the plans changed in the past couple of years since you've taken over the position? You know, um, I, I embarked on this um, as, you know, employee number one as the CEO with kind of a mindset that this was going to be a, a tumultuous period and, and with a startup mentality. So, you know, I am an entrepreneur, a media tech entrepreneur by background, and um, I'm used to the adaptive uh, pivot. And uh, I didn't imagine that this would be uh, that different. Um, you know, so every person that we hired, for example, was hired on Zoom. And that was very common at the time, myself included. Um, we held programming on Zoom um, to, you know, galvanize the community and then gradually started delivering more in-person services. In building this uh, new location that you mentioned at the top of the hour, um, we, of course, are looking to bring people back downtown. And that is going to be so important for downtown revitalization, as well as for startups and scale-ups that uh, you know want to make a difference here and want to be co-located in a central urban destination. So speaking of bringing people back to downtown, uh, I can remember... In the before times, Startup Edmonton was the place to go for all the tech meetups, all the local events with uh, tech entrepreneurs. Is the plan for Edmonton Unlimited in the new space to be that again, to be the meetup hub? Absolutely. So at Edmonton Unlimited, we are very much here to serve the community first. 
I'd love to talk a bit about what the community will see when they come down on May 12th or indeed any day after that uh, once we've had our open house. So um, this is a very prominent corner of downtown uh, at 101 and Jasper. Um, it's a it's part of what I think of as our innovation corridor, which connects uh, Enterprise Square, which is kitty corner to where we are. And then across the street is Amy. And then a number of really exciting local companies in this area as well. I'm thinking about AltaML and SoundDesk, to name a few. What you're going to see when you come into this space, which is very street level, it's very accessible. You're going to see loft-style ceilings, ample natural light. We have surrounding glass offices. We have hot desking for startups enrolled in our programs and for program alumni. We have a 100-seat room for founder programs and business accelerators. We have a drop-in community cafe for meetups and after-hours networking. And because we're in the old RBC building, uh, we've converted the old bank vault into a production and podcasting studio for videos and podcasts that entrepreneurs might like to do to promote their IP. And then uh, we raised some money from Prairies Can to have an innovation gallery. And that exhibit will also be up in its first iteration. We worked with Reimagine Architects and the pop-up experience experts at Vignettes to create these displays that connect urban innovation to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. We'll have to go and give that uh, podcast studio a try, I think. Try Absolutely. recording in a, in a bank vault sounds pretty fun. Is the space, would you say, is it done, Catherine? Is there more to come? It's you know, a big undertaking, no matter how big it is. I think this is 18,000 square feet. Is all of that you know, intended to be ready to go in, in use from day one? You know, I would say, I think of it more like we're moving from a closed beta environment to an open beta. So the staff moved in on January 16th. We have had a few months to like debug it, work on really important things like accessibility, security, you know, room layouts and that kind of thing. Um, and then next is our plan to open that um, planning and input to the community. So we're going to work with the input we get from our program participants, from our strategic partners and others to actually field test our best thinking around this and make sure it's fit for whatever use cases that people would like to see here. You know, that said, our first public day is this Friday, and then we will be open every day thereafter. So we're going to consider it a work in progress. We're going to onboard all of these inputs as we go, but we are open for business to take Edmonton's businesses forward. I want to ask you a little bit about the the journey because it's been a little bit of a tumultuous thing, I think. Uh, your, your predecessor and the former Innovate Edmonton had this plan for an innovation hub in the Black Building on 103rd Street downtown. 
maybe wasn't uh, presented or uh, consulted with the community in a very effective way. There was some pushback that kind of went away. As you already mentioned, there's been this growth of uh, other businesses nearby, right? Amy and, you know, indeed uh, companies in the black building, you know, in the innovation space. So it's a very different context than before. But I imagine you had to still navigate some of the residual feelings about that old space. And in the meantime, you've also exited, you know, the Mercer warehouse with with Startup Edmonton, uh, which was, you know, the, the thing that kind of brought that building back, really. Um, and it's now uh, worked nicer, of course. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that journey. It must feel both rewarding and a bit of a relief, I'm imagining, to get to, to the open house here. You know, it really is rewarding. And we had had just like an outpouring of community support. And one thing I will say um, is that you know, this is a very different era from pre-pandemic when this, you know, might have been tried in a different way that didn't work for whatever reason. I think now there's just a tremendous goodwill uh, within the innovation community and also with all of our partners downtown. I'm thinking of the um, Edmonton Downtown Business Association, City itself, the Downtown Recovery Task Force and others. Uh, to, to just really bring some life and safety and vibrancy back to our city. And part of our mandate is innovation placemaking and take this seriously. And we want to create a welcoming environment uh, that's also safe so that entrepreneurs now feel this is their time to come back downtown and, you know, take advantage of all that the city has to offer. And it's their friends and families really that support these startups. And we want to make this place inviting to those people, those original funders, if you will, so that these entrepreneurs feel surrounded by support. In terms of getting this place up and running, we solicited input in the initial stages from more than 200 startups and innovation leaders across Edmonton. We looked at 11 locations. One of the things that we learned was that accessibility and flexibility are key, especially as we emerge from the pandemic when the future of work is still evolving. And so that's why we have this very receptive attitude right now. And we'll continue to have that because we want to adapt to the needs of local innovators. And we also want to stay um, as leaders. So we're, we're looking and tracking other innovation ecosystems around the world all the time. We want to make sure that, you know, the way we convene accelerators or service providers in legal accounting, international trade and what, what have you is right at the cutting edge so that everyone here is well supported in the innovation economy. That I think makes a lot of sense. 11 locations to narrow in on the one. I have fond memories of that corner downtown. I've been, uh, had an office uh, in the Empire Building there, just to, you know, the opposite direction across the street. You know, it feels a little bit like a central corner for our, our downtown, for our, certainly for that part of that district of our, uh, our downtown. The conversation about downtown, of course, in recent months over the last year or so, or maybe more, has been about safety and security. And I think it's what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, Edmonton Unlimited sees a role for maybe helping to, you know, bring some vibrancy back and improve the safety and security. But have you heard or do you do you are you concerned about, you know, any of the potential safety and security fears that, you know, entrepreneurs and other people might uh, might be facing right now? Maybe they're a bit reluctant to come back downtown, actually. You know, we, we very much want to be part of the solution. And by 
picking a very visible building on a corner um, that's light and accessible. You know, we want to take a stand for what downtown can be if we all put our energy behind it. Um, We also know that we're just part of a much broader fabric of solution providers downtown, including some that I mentioned earlier. And I I recently met with Kanita McBrien, the ED of the EDBA, and we talked about solutions like improved exterior lighting, uh, animating the pedways and the green spaces. So, you know, we're not stopping uh, within these four walls here, even though we're very excited about the, the four walls. We, we really see ourselves as playing a key role in uh, revitalizing downtown, in bringing um, international trade opportunities to our city, creating something that we can all be proud of. And safety and security are paramount to that. Um, and, you know, we have uh, a lot of young people that we work with. We have a lot of female employees and entrepreneurs and founders. And we want to make sure that everything that we do supports them feeling safe in coming to work. I want to drill on that a little bit, but you mentioned something that was extremely noticeable to me. Mac and I both work in tech. We've seen a lot of tech companies. And going to the Edmonton Unlimited website, one thing I noticed very quickly is there's a lot of women. Usually in a tech company, especially these days, there's the token woman. Like it's tech is a very, very bro culture. And I saw a team that was hugely diverse. Was that something, obviously it must have been intentional. The question is leading. What what was the intentionality behind that? How did you achieve that? And how did you do that in the context of Edmonton? You know, I really appreciate this question. And um, the third hire that I did after finance and admin was our head of people and culture, James Hampshire. And he has just done a wonderful job in what we call anti-bias recruitment. And it's resulted in an extremely diverse team. I'll, I'll just tell you a bit about this team that Edmonton can be so proud of. Uh, 47% of our team identifies as an entrepreneur. So they have been an entrepreneur or they are currently entrepreneurs. 71% identify as female, 32% as visible minority. And like many Edmontonians, they have global roots. 26% of our team was born outside of Canada. Many languages are spoken here. 15% are part of the LGBTQ2S community. We also have 6% Indigenous employees and 12% who identify as having a visible or invisible disability. So we are really reflective of this wildly diverse city. And that's attractive to entrepreneurs who can kind of see themselves in the image of of our team, just like you did when you go to this website. If you see that diversity, and if you're an entrepreneur that has previously been excluded from the innovation conversation, right away, the intention is to make you feel welcome. The Edmonton Unlimited board also uh, looks relatively diverse. And uh, I wanted to ask you about that because there's been some turnover, quite significant turnover, I think it's fair to say, 
in the board. And normally, I think that would be concerning for people when you have such a large number of folks exit and, and a large group of new folks come in. But what's your take on that? What's the situation with the, the Edmonton Unlimited board and the new members that you just welcomed? Well, we do have a, a board of very diverse business leaders. The city council recently appointed uh, a variety of new board directors, including a new board chair, Lindsay Dodd. Our inaugural board was led by uh, Chair Nassim Bashir, um, and he stepped down after successfully launching the company. You know, I would say that uh, in addition to, you know, diversifying our board, which is very important, we want to continue to have this very representative and diverse board, you would also expect some turnover with a new organization and an inaugural board. So in my experience, having served on many boards over many years, that's not uncommon. And now the next step will be integrating these new board directors with our returning directors, Nicole Jansen and Hyder Alvi, and really coalescing everyone around this powerful mission that we have for inclusive innovation in our city. So you'd characterize it a little bit more as just, you know, we need a fresh set of uh, eyes, a, a new perspective, because the organization has changed dramatically from that inaugural board. Yes. And also, I would say it's kind of natural, too, that, you know, the original board was appointed before we had even a strategic plan in place, of course, and under a new council that we have now, you know, they were perhaps looking to make some changes in that leadership. Well, let's talk a little bit about the new council because this organization obviously started under a previous council. And in many aspects of the city, this council has uh, been discerning, uh, some would say, and uh, relitigative is what others would say. How has your impression been of this council? Are they broadly supportive of the work of Edmonton Unlimited? Have you had more challenges and more need to justify the organization's existence. How has the dichotomy perhaps changed or stayed the same since the previous council? You know, it's hard for me to compare because I had so little opportunity with the previous council. You know, we were just kind of getting our ducks in a row when the election happened. Um, but I have worked much more closely with this council and really felt their support. I feel like we have the wind in our sails. Um, they care about all of the things that uh, they've made us responsible for. So diversifying the economy, helping create new companies, ensuring that we have high paying jobs for local talent. So I, I very much see uh, this council as oriented towards supports for innovation, in, you know, encouraging us to continue on the path that we're on. Councillors are no strangers to, you know, dense reports with lots of information, I'm sure. They went through your annual report for 2022 in great detail. But for the average Edmontonian, for the person who's listening to this podcast, what's the takeaway? Well, um, you're right. We cover a lot of ground in, in the annual report, and we do have funding from all orders of government. So we report on many different things. 
And we also use our annual report as a place to tell stories about local successes in tech and innovation. For uh, highlights, though, I would say that it's important to understand that our program audiences are primarily very early stage founders and companies. So 85% of the people who take our programs are at what we call top of funnel. They are very much pre-revenue and some of them are even pre-business model or still ideating their products. So these companies need support to start, grow and scale their ideas. And we really focused a lot of the annual report on results in that area. So for example, we filled 1,200 seats in our programs in 2022. We provided more than 9,750 hours of free coaching to scaling tech companies from a pool of more than 200 experts in things like finance, marketing, and coding. We discovered that more than 125 of the founders and companies that we support are working on ideas and solutions to global challenges. And 250 of these founders are working on sustainable development goals. You know, this is some very powerful indication that we have the right recipe here in Edmonton because every entrepreneur knows, and certainly angels and VC know, VCs know, you have to be working on big enough problems for your company to scale in order to attract enlightened investment, in order to meet international market demands. And so we're very pleased to see that this is the direction a lot of these innovators are already leaning in on. Another thing we're particularly proud of is that our programs serve diverse innovators from all wards across Edmonton. And specifically, uh, 48% of the founders we serve are female, 41% are visible minorities, and 3% are Indigenous. So we still have a way to go um, with respect to Indigenous innovation, but we are putting supports in place. And then one of our flagship programs, of course, that you will know well is Edmonton Startup Week. And so we inherited the mantle of this amazing event and are carrying that forward for the community. And in 2022, we hosted more than 80 community events that week with more than 1,500 delegates, including 750 at launch party, where we helped launch 10 companies for Edmontonians to get behind in 2023. I was at launch party. It was a, a pretty good party as usual. Nice to see you know the community come together and, and support those new founders. Catherine, I'm going to guess that you're more of an and person here and you want this and this and this and this, and they're all good, but I'm, I'm going to try and get you to narrow in a little bit. I'm guessing you get this question quite often too, from people in the community. You talked about supporting those early stage, you know, ideas and entrepreneurs, companies maybe that don't even have a business model. Earlier in the show, we talked about, you know, the other end of the spectrum with Jobber and raising a, a very large series D. Mm -hmm. But what's your thinking like these days? Do you, do you think it's more important to focus on you know, building that top of funnel or moving more companies, you know, along the path toward potentially, you know, if all goes well, being another, another job. Or I know you probably want both, but where's Edmonton Unlimited's focus? We have very close ties to the post-secondaries. Their role and their 140,000 students strong are 
really the fuel, the engine of this diversified economy. So for us working with them and, you know, kind of meeting that talent pipeline need, we're very focused in this early stage top of funnel arena. What we offer to those early stage entrepreneurs includes the programs that I just spoke about at length, but also pathfinding which is really important, that kind of concierge service or navigation that um, points people to supports they need all over the city. So if you're a more advanced company, you can still come to us and we'll direct you to perhaps one of the three Silicon Valley uh, accelerators that we help attract here or to a trade mission that you might want um, us to accompany you on or what have you. So um, we do have supports throughout the funnel, but where we're needed most based on what we hear from the community is at that very wide tip top arena where people are still developing their concepts, their business models, working on that lean canvas and really getting started. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the U of A recently also announced an investment downtown to you know, put some energy back into Enterprise Square. What are the opportunities or you know, potential collaborations you, you might be thinking about for students and for post-secondaries with the new Edmonton Unlimited space? A lot, actually. So um, one of the things that uh, we were fortunate to receive was the endorsement of the Edmonton Regional Innovation Network to be what's called the lead proponent or to administer the ERIN program. With that, we have a number of programs for very early stage entrepreneurs and ties to universities. So we have a full post-secondary suite of offerings, including executives and residents that are effectively on our payroll but they're resident in the post-secondaries here. And you can go to your McEwen exec in residence or your U of A or your Nate or your Norquest, and you can get uh, tip-top advice from a leading entrepreneur to help you with uh, your ideas around commercialization or ties to uh, programs beyond the most basic. So speaking of some supports uh, for these early stage entrepreneurs, one of the investments that the city made uh, around last budget was a $5 million edge fund that was broadly supported by council and Mayor Sohi. And Edmonton Global and Edmonton Unlimited were supposed to be part of the phase one of edge fund, refining the program and guiding it. I haven't heard many updates since, last budget. Can you give us a status update? Where's it at? Um, to what extent have you been consulted and what feedback have you given about this edge fund? Sure. Happy to do that. So just to get everyone on the same page, the edge fund is an initiative of the city of Edmonton to provide non-dilutive or grant funding to eligible companies in 2023. So it's, it's a time-limited $5 million grant fund approved by city council in the most recent budget. And the fund is administered by city leadership and staff, and it will be launched to applicants in July of this year. You asked about the contributions that we might have made. You know, the vision for the EDGE Fund that the city's laid out is for it to have an advisory committee to guide leadership on things such as the fund design or evaluation criteria and continuous improvement. And that 
advisory committee selection is underway now by the city. And we're part of that. So we've been asked to serve on the advisory committee. In part, um, I would see a, a big role that we would play is we're the pipeline for the fund. So we support thousands of entrepreneurs each year in our free programs and accelerators. And we're extremely close to what I think of as this pipeline of need for this type of grant funding. And then at a staff level, the program fund manager is Nick George, who works within urban planning and economy at the city. Well, that's good to hear that the EDGE Fund is going to continue to happen in 2023. We may be talking soon about the solar uh, rebate program, which maybe wasn't going to happen this year, but uh, always good to hear when things that council says are going to happen continue to happen. But I'm sure people listening will be wondering, July 2023, that sounds great. Am I eligible? Do you have any information about you know who the EDGE Fund might serve? Sure. So the EDGE Fund is designed to support projects, you know, so it's it's not an equity investment in a company, it's project funding uh, into local companies at the growth stage. Winning companies will want to demonstrate uh, significant job creation and CapEx impacts. For earlier stage applicants, the fund will support things like operating costs, office leases, strategic consulting, executive hiring. So there's a lot of opportunity and flexibility right now. Um, I'm sure the advisory committee in the city will will refine that. But, you know, you could think of it as a, a really good starter grant for early stage applicants. And I'm guessing that having, you know, this City of Edmonton funding will potentially make investments by private sector companies a little more appealing because it reduces the risk a little bit. And just this week, we saw another report about venture investment in Alberta in the first quarter of the year and how, you know, Alberta's trajectory is up, even though the average across the country is is down. Can you speak to us a little bit about just the broader state of investment in, in innovation companies in Edmonton? As I mentioned, you know, it, it's really grown um, 236% in two years, and that those are pandemic years. So that is really exciting and astonishing. And, you know, we're only just getting started. So a lot of that was measured before we had these accelerators come to Edmonton. And now we have plug and play, we have 500 Global, we have the Community Safety and Wellness accelerator by TELUS, which is powered by another Silicon Valley accelerator, Alchemist. And every single one of those accelerators also has as part of their business model, investment in tech companies. So we are bringing attention to local companies here so that when those accelerators are ready to make their next investments, they're going to be thinking about Edmonton, they're going to be thinking about Alberta, and we'll get the lion's share of that funding too. We've talked a lot about investments and streamlining investments and establishing this funnel such that uh, companies can succeed. But it's always nice to hear about the success stories. So what has come out? Is there any cool companies? What is the thing that you pull out at a cocktail hour and say, look at what we've done. This is our party trick. There are so many fun tech stories. I, you know, I'll, I'll just uh, let everyone know about Sacramere Dynamics, Inc. They're on a mission to make the most advanced robotic hand in the world. And um, they believe their innovation will change labor and productivity by replicating human functionality 
and automating tasks in dynamic environments. In terms of innovations in mental health, the startup Dive Through is on a mission to ensure, as they say, that no one struggles alone. And so they're addressing the mental health crisis by connecting young people with therapy, peer communities, and self-guided resources. They've launched their first studio. They're reaching profitability. And they were the only Canadian company accepted into Techstars in their round, which is a world-renowned U.S.-based tech accelerator. And just in terms of immediate impact, Dive Through just hired eight mental health physicians to support youth and young entrepreneurs in our city. One of the other bits of local innovation that probably people might know is that Edmonton's a center for AI. You mentioned earlier, uh, we might get into generative AI. Here's the question. Are you a chat GPT user? And, you know, is Edmonton Unlimited doing anything interesting with uh, these newfangled AI capabilities that we all have? Okay, you are speaking to a super duper open AI aficionado. I have <laughs> not been more excited about anything in digital development since the advent of the web. Um, when I, you know, flicked into chat GPT in, I guess, late November, I was just, I was mind blown. I was hooked and I'm probably using just an iota of its potential um, for business. So I would say for businesses of all stages and sizes, dive into AI right now, start exploring how you can use it to ramp up your company, your team, how you can connect with clients. Every single employee should be empowered and have the time and a mandate to experiment with these new tools to understand how to use them, how to streamline their work. So for example, at Edmonton Unlimited, we hosted an all hands pizza and AI kickoff very early in 2023 to get everyone comfortable with playing around with today's AI tools. And we're encouraging the thousands of startups that we support to do the same. Pause to say, of course, AI also has pitfalls. Um, you know, uh, and in me, in media hallucinations from time to time, yes, yeah. you, you will appreciate that. I mean, everything from disinformation, misinformation, copyright infringement, bias, a lot, we could, we could go on and on. And people are rightly concerned about data privacy, about energy consumption and about monopolies. And so that's why Edmonton also needs to be a global leader in responsible AI and AI for good. So I say as a global AI capital with leading research in generative AI, Edmonton is very much right place, right time. We know that uh, it will form the underpinnings of almost every business going forward. Uh, we think that it, the, the possibility to really lean in to our expertise in doing this right from the get-go will put us on the world stage. I took your uh, use AI for every aspect of my life to heart, and I just asked ChatGPT, will the Oilers win the playoffs? And unfortunately, it didn't give me a solid answer. It said <laughs> oh. it will depend how they perform on the ice and their match against the opponents. Uh, given that, okay. you know. Okay, okay. That's a, that's a very low bar for an analysis. <laughs> At least it didn't make it up, right? It didn't say we're playing a wrong team or something. Now that we've Fair. confirmed that AI won't be taking our jobs, let, let's have you 
do the job of a human here. Will the Oilers win the playoffs, Catherine? Without question, we will win the playoffs. (laughs) Yes. Stanley's coming home? Coming home to Ruse. Love it. So we've meandered through all aspects, just like tech meanders into every aspect of really our society these days. So too does our conversation find its way into a whole variety of topics. But this started as about the space. So bringing it back to this new Edmonton Unlimited space, do you have any other thoughts, anything else to share that we haven't covered quite yet? It's our vision as companies grow up here, they will move up here. And so by that, I mean, above this footprint, this 18,000 square foot open space, atrium style facility for innovators is this incredible tower for uh, local innovators to move up as they grow up. So right now in this building, we have some examples, Run With It Synthetic, founded by Myrna Bittner and her partner, Varma Energy, founded by Sean Collins, are just two examples of companies that are already uh, taking the lift up. They're already in the elevator. They're on the, the floors above as they scale. And we want to help more companies do that. I love that. I think that's really important. You know, we talked talked a little bit about safety. I think, you know, vibrancy is a, is a real big part of that. And, uh, you know, it's great to see this second corner on this intersection, you know, back with some life in it. We've lost the restaurant and the coffee shop. And CIBC doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, but I'm so glad that Edmonton Unlimited has, you know, continued to invest in downtown and uh, is going to bring some activity back to such a central part of our city. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming to to tell us all uh, more about, you know, the space and, uh, and what Edmonton Unlimited has been up to. For folks who are listening to this today on Friday, May 12th, you can get down there and check out the space. If somebody wants to come and, and see it in the future, uh, what should they do, Catherine? We are very much open door. So I invite you in, come to our offices, blast open the doors, check out the community cafe, meet with some fellow founders and really make this place your own. Love it. And you can find out more at uh, edmontonunlimited.com. Catherine, thanks so much for joining us back on Speaking Municipally. So happy to have done it. Thank you very much. Mac, you teased it in our interview with Catherine, but uh, we have news about the Edmonton solar rebate this week in that it's here. It launched. Yeah, the city put out a news release saying Edmontonians can access $1.96 million of funding to generate local renewable energy at home. So this brings the solar rebate program to $6 million invested since 2019. So, Troy, it's happening. Are you going to get some funds? Well, I have submitted my application, so I hope so, knock on wood. A couple interesting notes about this. The first was that when we reached out to administration, they said they had to update council before uh, going live with this rebate. And you had the very salient point about, well, no, they really don't. Turns out they must have listened to this podcast because they didn't update council and just did a press release and launched the program. Indeed. One of the interesting updates when they launched this program, however, is it is retroactive. So the previous program filled up around last October, and no one else was able to apply. And this new program is accepting applications starting in May. But if you installed solar panels between October and May, you are eligible to submit those panels to this new program for, quote unquote, reimbursement to receive the grant. Uh, So those 620, 630-ish spots that this program will have, uh, they're 
probably going to fill up pretty quickly because we have this backlog of retroactive applications that might fill in. That's a great thing for you know people who can tap into that retroactive. Uh, maybe not so good for people like you, Troy, who are looking to do this in the future. Hopefully there weren't too many installations for your sake over the last six months. <laughs> I am stressing as I have heard nothing back from the program, which I'm sure is absolutely slammed on opening day. But uh, I'm expecting part in the darkness of my heart to just open up the page and say, oops, accidentally all full. No more solar rebates for anyone. But listener, knock on wood for me. Hopefully I'm going to get these rebates for these panels. Fingers crossed for you, Troy. Uh, The one other thing I noticed in the news release, which I thought was pretty interesting, is that this is the end, essentially, of the solar rebate program. And the city says it's going to be replaced in 2024 with a clean energy improvement program. This is a provincial program, actually, that municipalities all across the province have been launching in Calgary to great success, uh, launched recently as well. Yeah, it's interesting to note because the Clean Energy Improvement Program is bad. The program was good when it launched. Uh, It is a provincial program that municipalities administer that essentially gives very low interest loans uh, for you to perform home energy efficiency upgrades like solar panels, like heat pumps, like additional insulation. Unfortunately, the federal government also has a program like that. It's $40,000 and it's interest-free for 10 years. Uh, So given the choice between those two funding programs, you should almost always take the federal one. But of course, you know, if you need additional funding, clip is there. It's been a pilot in Edmonton, of course, this uh, previous program. It'll now be a full program. And, And indeed, in the city of Edmonton news release, it encourages you to apply to that federal program. So they agree with you, I think, Troy. <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, we've been tracking this solar rebate for, you know, the better part of a month. And that's just everyday beat reporting. That's what Taproot is very good at. And they're very good at that via The Pulse. It's Taproot's daily news briefing, and it tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, foods, the arts, and more. You can check it out and subscribe at taprootedmonton.ca. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And I'm Catherine. And we're... Speaking Speaking municipally. municipally.